1: The Rovers
2: Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the 1875 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schofield, and joining me today is none other than former Rovers player, Craig Conway. Craig, how are you doing and how is life treating you um, back in Scotland?
1: Very good, thank you. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been been good. I'm up in Scotland just now, um, so I'm just in a, a flat that I'm living in up here. Um, so I think it goes without saying the strange times, but is what it is. Um, Most importantly, football, I'm enjoying that. Um, It's been strange coming back to to Scotland a little bit. Um, But um, it's it's funny, I've kind of done a round circle and I've I've ended up back in the place that it kind of all started really with living in Perth Um, because I lived here when I played up in in Dundee United. So um, me and and my wife is a bit strange coming coming back. Um, It's not changed much, but... Yes, it's good. I'm enjoying it.
2: Well, it's amazing. You seem to be enjoying yourself as well. I know you scored a few goals this season and um, hopefully that that continues. Um, So, I think we should jump right into it, really. Um, We're going to, like I said, um, just before we start recording, just basically go through your career, speak mostly about your time at Blackburn. Um, But... At the start of your career, um, you obviously started um, at Air United um, before signing a pre-contract at Dundee United. Um, mm-hmm. Can you just tell me a little bit, bit about your early career and what that education was like in Scotland? Um, and do you think that sort of stood you in good stead um, for your successful career in England?
1: Um, yeah, I do think it did. Um, I, I probably didn't take the kind of traditional route by starting a, a really big club and going through the whole academy thing. Um I like to think i kind of done it the hard way a little bit because I started off... I'll not go too deep into it, like, right growing up, but I'll start at air where um, I was part-time for a lot of it. And, I, and I, I think I've mentioned it probably. You've heard it a million times about me being a, a barber, or trained barber, um, because I, I, I used to play part-time and I worked in my dad's barber shop um, through the week. Obviously, when I wasn't training, we trained at nights. Um and then eventually I did end up going full-time. Um, but, yeah, I, to answer your question, I think it definitely gave me a good foundation. Um, probably um, kept my feet in the ground, to be honest, uh, because I knew what it was like working as your kind of 95 um, job that I, I probably when, when I was doing it and obviously playing the football, when I got out of that and got into full-time football, it probably made me really want to push on and not have to go back to that. Um so I think from from my point of view, in my opinion, it was a really positive thing starting like that because it really um made me see the kinda of most people like nine to five like a job um like that because I I really don't see football um as a job like when when I when I'd done it throughout my my career. I mean, who wouldn't want to go and train and play football every day and, and get paid for it? So, um, no, I, I think it gave me a really good footing. And then the football side of it, um, I was probably lucky again. A team that that didn't have the finances; they they were going through a bit of kind of financial trouble at the time, and they were probably forced to play a lot of younger lads and and bring in some some young players through. Um, so, yeah, I, I was lucky from that point of view. Obviously, I, I deserved to get a chance and I maybe would have got the chance eventually, but I think the club's hand was almost forced because of the financial situation that they were in. Obviously, that, that benefit, benefited me, being able to get in the first team at an early age.
2: Definitely. Then, obviously, you went to, to Dundee United from it. Was that a big move for yourself? Because, obviously, Dundee United, a big club um, in Scotland. Um, was that something you, you felt you were ready to make at the time, that step Um into
1: that world? Um, if I'm being honest, it, it, I probably did doubt a little bit if I was ready or if I, if I could play at that level because when I was at Air United, it, it probably came out the blue a little bit. Um, I mean, I was playing well and, and I was kind of developing because at, at the time, I think when it came about, I'd just turned 19. Um, and as I say, I was, I was playing well, but I probably didn't expect a club of that um stature from where i had been because obviously air united compared to dundee united is a big step up and especially it was even more so back then because there was another league in between them um so yeah it became a bit of a surprise but how it came about was i played against um we'd played against with air we played against inverness um in a cup game and the manager at the time was Craig Brewster who then went on to be manager at Dundee United and I had two really good games against Inverness and he'd obviously remembered that and obviously being um, a bit of potential and, and being a young player he just took the chance on me so I was massively thankful for that from him but yeah I think it was it was a shock at first and and I did I'd be lying if I said I didn't doubt at the time that I could maybe step up to that level but I think after a few months of training with the lads and um there's always a thing if if you're young and you're you're ambitious and you're training with good players every day or better players than what you have been, then you you automatically improve yourself.
2: I'm Gonna say, was that one of the biggest things, the difference in quality stepping up to the Scottish Premier League, just being around people that a lot of them are obviously very experienced and have almost yeah. been there and done that?
1: Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I mean I think I think it's like any walk of life if you If you work with people that are better and more skilled and experienced than you, then it's automatically going to bring you on. So I think I noticed pretty quickly that it was a step up in training, but I felt after two or three months that it was a step that I could definitely take. Um, And in the end, I feel as if I made that pretty comfortably and then eventually kind of pushed on even more.
2: You certainly didn't, obviously, you played a huge part in their Scottish Cup final victory. And um, was it two goals that you scored on, on that game was it against Ross County? Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, the Cup. How yeah.
2: was that then just that experience? Is that, so is that the equivalent to the FA Cup, really, than the,
1: the Scottish yeah. Cup? Yeah, the Scottish Cup is, is, the, is the biggest cup in, in Scotland. Um, we obviously the most tradition and stuff like that. Uh, so I mean, that day was. We- was incredible. I've obviously spoke about it many times and I think that it was just one of the days that you, you genuinely do. Once you become a footballer, that's it's amazing. But there's a lot, and I mean a lot of players that go throughout their full career without actually winning any silverware or or doing something like that. So I just knew how much it meant to... Dundee United only, had only won it once previously. Um, and to go and do it again, we, I mean... I can only obviously explain it now but if you were there at the time and the amount of fans that were there and how, how much it meant to to the city of dundee it was it was unbelievable. Um so yeah personally it was a, a a great day to score two goals just tops off and ended up with man of the match in the game as well so it was just little things like that but I think once stuff like that started happening and the belief starts to to really grow I think at that time, even, I, I knew that I wanted to push on to the next level and I always wanted to go down south, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Obviously, we'll go on
2: to that, that in a minute. But another player that scored a goal in that Scottish Cup final was David Goodwillie, who obviously played for Rovers prior to you um, coming to the club. Um, what did you make of Goodwillie in his time at Dundee United? At the time, he seemed to have the world at his feet, almost. I know Steve Key when we signed him, and I was sure to make a lot of Rovers fans of his bleed. Um, but Steve Key compared him to William Rooney um at the time. What do you think went wrong for, for, for Goodwillie coming to Rawls? Do you think maybe it was just a bit too much too soon in terms of it's a big transfer. We spent quite a bit of money on him. I think it was three million. Um, and we were in the Premier League at the time.
1: Um I I mean I don't I don't really know what how I wasn't there at Blackburn with him. Um I don't know exactly what what went on or how it was but I mean the only thing I can I can say is obviously playing Wigudy was, I mean, there's there's no doubt in his ability. Um, I mean, he's he used to do things in training and games that there's not many people can do. And he was excellent for Dundee United. He was one of our main players and he was banging goals in left, right and centre. And, and I do remember the time that when he did go to Blackburn, um, he probably could have his pick of 10, 20 teams, to be honest. I think he was really... Um, there was a lot of teams after him. Um and and that's really all I can really say on the, the that really I don't I don't know too much that went on it, at Blackburn. Um I think I think definitely there's probably be a little bit aspect to the transfer fee and the and the pressure. Um if I'm right in saying I think Blackburn won the Premier League at the time as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, we just we got relegated the season after. Um, yeah. the season that you sat and we relegated that season, but we were in the Premier League originally, yeah.
1: So I think as well, I mean, I, I can say a lot about um, Scottish, the Scottish Premier League, which is, is a great quality, but it, it's miles off the Premiership, um, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. It's, it's it's a big, big jump. that. Um, not saying that Goody wouldn't be able to make that jump, but I don't know. It's just a, a big jump to take. The transfer fee... I don't. I really don't know. But all I can say is how good a player he was when I when I played with him. Um, yeah, he
2: certainly showed glimpses of it. Just it was, I think, consistency. A lot of the time was was his issue, which I, I guess for a lot of players can be the case. Um, you finally did make your own move down down south, um, playing for Cardiff. Um, how did that move come about? Was that something you were excited to do? And as you said, was it something that you knew you were ready to take with the next step of your career?
1: Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it was. It ended up the the season that we won the cup. Um, I was actually going to go to uh, Middlesbrough, um, but it was they they put a couple of bids in, uh, and Dundee United just didn't want to let me leave at that point. Um, I had a year left in my contract, and I think they were offering like six between six and seven hundred grand. So in my opinion, it was it was really good money um, for like somebody coming from scotland and also coming into the last year of my contract i felt it was more than fair um but it wasn't to be uh, that never happened that summer and um it, it dragged on for when well, it's probably not fair to say it dragged on it, there was talks going on for that full season pretty much um and i'd, I'd spoke with quite a few managers i, I think we were really lucky um, as players at Dundee United with within that team because we had a really, really strong squad um and we had a lot of players linked with moves. Um and I suppose I benefited from that because um I was one of the kind of main players and I was I was obviously coming to the end of my contract. I was young coming into my prime and um I spoke to quite a few teams that season. And uh, the Cardiff move came about when I was speaking to Watford, and Malky Mackay was the manager there. Went down to meet him. Um, I met a few clubs, but he just really impressed me when he was Watford manager. Um, so, obviously, started kind of negotiating about going to Watford, and then, quite a long story short, he ended up getting the Cardiff job, um, and I was—I think I was his first signing. So, that's how it—that's how it came about. Um and as I said, I, I always wanted to go down south. Um I never had any particular preference at the time. I just knew how good the championship was. I, I don't know I, could, I don't know if I could have squeezed maybe a premiership side. I don't know. There was I I'd spoke to a couple, but it never really materialised and to be honest. I knew how good or how much a jump anyway the championship would be, so I was just really happy. I mean the clubs, all the clubs that I spoke to were top championship. Sides, um, so I was I was happy with that, and and I, I couldn't wait to get started.
2: Was well, so I? Obviously, Cardiff were a top championship side at that time. I think it was in your second season that you managed to, to clinch promotion to the Premier League. You obviously scored against Burnley, um, which obviously makes us smile um, to, to secure promotion. Um, again, it's that's a sort of similar question to the one with the Scottish Cup final, scoring that goal to guarantee promotion. Personally, was that. A huge thing for you because obviously fans start singing your name, and it's like you're now in their history, I guess, aren't you? You're yeah. the one that scored the goal to get into the Premier League,
1: yeah. I think so. I think that that day was, was amazing. Um, obviously, I, I wasn't aware at that time how much rivals Burnley would end up being, but um, it was always nice to look back in that. But no, well, I think I think that that side that we had that year at Cardiff were, was just relentless, like, we were just. We just ground out results, probably a little bit like Norwich this year in the Championship where we could just grind out results left. We just were so hard to beat. Um, I think we scored as well, like over 60% of our goals from set pieces and it was just like we had a really strong squad. Um, And then that day was was amazing. I think to score the goal, get Seals promotion is amazing. Um, Another kind of milestone to look back on. It It was a great day. And obviously the parties after, and we we, we managed to secure promotion pretty early, um, and then obviously we went on to to actually win as go up as champions. So it was an amazing day, um, an amazing few weeks to be honest. Um, and it's uh, kind of going into that. It's probably if I'm being honest again, it's very very bitter that season um, because I I personally felt I deserved a chance in the. Premier League um, because I'd played, I think I'd played over 30 games in the season that we went up um, so I look back with, I, w- I wouldn't say regrets the right word but it's definitely part of me that, that wishes I got a chance just even a chance to, to go and play some games in the Premier League to say that I'd done it and obviously test yourself against the, the real top, the real best
2: I was about to say obviously you had loaned out to Brighton um, in the September of that next season um, why was that was it just were you told that chances would be few and far between or was it something that you looked at and thought I want to play on a regular basis and I've got a good chance here going to go into Brighton
1: yeah I think exactly that I wanted to play um, and and to be fair I, I ended up kind of left in good well when I say good terms as good as it could be with Malky I, I think we just had honest conversations and it was probably mutual. I think I realistically knew because of the amount of signings we had made that I wasn't going to be really involved. I don't know if we, even if they made the 25, I don't know. Um, and he was just honest with me and said that, that there is a chance that I wouldn't play many games. So I wanted... And one thing I look back that I've always done is I've always tried to play as many games as I can. Um, and I, I knew that if I had to move, then so be it. Um And then obviously the the chance to go to Brighton came about and I loved it there. We had three months there on loan. My my son was actually born down there Um, and it was an amazing time. We loved it down there. It's a beautiful place Um, and I loved that I I pretty much played every game. Um, And then I I was actually meant to sign there, to be honest. It it was meant to happen, but for one reason or another, it just kept getting delayed and delayed. And then obviously the rest kind of history with, with Blackburn, that, that the Blackburn move came about and obviously arrived there.
2: I was going to say, was that something that at the time you wanted to make happen with the Brighton move? Was that, like obviously it is, it was the plan. Um, how did Blackburn's interest come about? Was it, did you have a choice of clubs or were Blackburn the ones that stood out for you? Once, obviously, the Brighton move.
1: Yeah, well, the, the Brighton one was still on at the time, um, but it just seemed to be dragging its heels for for I would say weeks to be honest it was because i went back um at the start of i think it was about the 14th of december i went back to cardiff and because of the emergency loan system back then you couldn't play for your parent club until january so i had to wait until january and i ended up signing with blackburn literally the last the, the last day of the transfer window it was day, wasn't
2: it
1: uh, yeah yeah so, you can see how long the Brighton one dragged out for, and I was starting to just get annoyed with it a little bit. Um, and the Blackburn um like move, kind of came pretty late. Uh, I knew, like, my agent Mark had been speaking to to guys like Gary Boyer at the time, uh, kind of on and off, and then it seemed to just pick up pace towards the last few days. And before I know it, I, I was actually my little boy wasn't he'd only been. He'd only been about three months, but he was in. He ended, ended up in hospital in Cardiff, and I had to leave to go up to Blackburn to sign. Um, so it was hard, but I mean, once I, I spoke to guys, and I, I know this is a bit cliche, but when a club the size of Blackburn comes, obviously, I've, I've watched football my full life, and obviously, knowing that the one in the Premier League and how massive a club they are, um. That was an absolute like I knew it was a stick. I was doing it like it was it was a no brainer for me. Um and I think any player in their right mind, if they go and they visit the training ground and the facilities that Blackburn have got, then that just kinda like, seals it for you. Um because it's a an amazing place to, to train every day. Even a beautiful part of the, the country that and like Ribble Valley is just an amazing place. I love it. Um and yeah, that, that that I knew I knew it was happening as soon as I met the manager. That was I, I was going anywhere else.
2: You were in phenomenal form for us that season. I think in your eighteen appearances from January onwards, I think you had seventeen goal involvements, something like thirteen assists and four goals. Um, obviously, that season um, from a fan's perspective, we should have, have made the playoffs. Um, just want to say some results that season to you. Um, that perhaps you don't want to think about um, the Sheffield Wednesday 3-3 where we were 3-1 up um, yeah. the loss against Burnley 2-1 I think Jordan Rhodes had the chance to make it 2-0 yeah. and hit the post and then the Yorville 0-0 at home um, yeah. looking at that Blackburn side back then is that should that team have done better than they did because um, I think as fans it's something we look at and think you got strikers like Jordan and Rudy who we'll go on to speak about a little bit um, later Um Should
1: we have gone up with that side? Should we have done better? In short, yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, I think that the quality that we had throughout the team really was a strong side. Um, And I I just think it boils down. You mentioned two or three results there. I I think it just boiled down to consistency, really. Um, At home as well. Home form probably wasn't good enough. Um, But we were just... We could be up there one day and then we would struggle, like would just say at home to Yovo when you would say we were a stick on. It was just that de- definitely boiled down to consistency and I, and I feel definitely that that side that we had for probably two or three years probably should have at least been in the, the playoffs.
2: What made you thrive in that role of the side? Like I said before you had the, those I think it's thirteen assists. At one point I think you had the most assists um over a season over a year period in I don't know if it was world football, definitely European football, oh, yeah. in terms of what you provided. Um, was it just the perfect environment for you with someone like Rudy getting on the end of your crosses and someone like Jordan at the time just couldn't stop scoring?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think um, that's probably the the one team where I look at. I had a period at Cardiff as well that was, that was like that. Um, probably about an eight-month period at Cardiff in the season that we got promoted that I was involving a lot of goals. Um but definitely that probably I don't know. I think I'd over over ten assists for about four or five seasons in a row. Um and I definitely think it was just perfect circumstances for me as a player. Um as in the role that I played. Um I think as a, as a winger. Um, because I think the, the way I've played over the last few years, have not been really like that. As in, like, I've not been played as an out and out, like, in a four four two or whatever it was. Um, I just think it suited me, yeah. And and I think in Jordan and Rudy, I had two people that were perfect for somebody that strength is crossing. Um, and I used to speak to to Jordan and Rudy about about that, and knowing they, they just knew they had a real knack and knowing whatever foot I was on, they knew where the ball, a high chance where the ball was going to go. And I used to just speak to to Jordan and Rudy where they knew if I was going on my left foot, Jordan would get across the front and Rudy would be at the back post always. And that they just made the same runs all the time. And it made it really easy for me where I knew that I just had to put it in an area and not try and, like, your David Beckham cross where it's perfectly whipped and with plenty of pace, I just knew that I just had to put it in an area. And then I knew if I was cutting back, there was a high chance. I, knew, I just knew um, Jordan would get across the front of the ball and and Rudy would be in at the back post. And the amount of times that the goals came from probably the majority of Rudy at the back post, that, that kind of cutting in my right and whipping it, the amount of times that he, he would be there, was it really did m- make it easy for me, but at the same time, he still owes me money for his move that he got off of my crosses.
2: <laughs> uh, he did it. It was a big move as well. I was gonna say obviously both Jordan and Rudy got the moves um to other clubs. Um it's not as gone as well, let's say for them since he left Blackburn. Do you think it's because they haven't been in a team that has been basically told to service them because like I say it was you you always knew what they were going to do Jordan run the front post really be there at the back do you think it's a case of they haven't had those circumstances at other clubs that they've just not been able to perhaps recapture that kind of form because I think Jordan Rhodes especially is one that Robus fans look at as we absolutely loved him and adored him I think we take him back now to be honest with mm-hmm. you um, but he hasn't scored as many goals since he left
1: yeah I, th- I think so Pro- probably wouldn't it be fair for me to comment on what's went wrong or anything like that because I, I really don't know about the circumstances have been with, with where they're playing but I do th- the only thing I can speak about was what the time that we had at Blackburn and I, th- I think that definitely suited them both um I, I just think that I, I mean there's a there's a mixture of things because I, I played with Rudy at, at Cardiff um and we just had a hell of a time with injuries and and then he comes to Blackburn and it's completely different. He I don't think he had any injuries, pretty much. So it's, sometimes it's just circumstances are, are perfect for you and it just works, it just clicks.
2: Um, at Cardiff, could you have seen Rudy going on to play like he did at Rovers, the way he was just in lethal form? Or was it, like you say, did you look at injuries and think, oh, he's just so unlucky that yeah, every he was, time he gets a run of games, he's sort of injured?
1: It was terribly unlucky. I mean, at Cardiff, he did, definitely showed flashes of that because... I think Rudy, and I would still say in everybody that I've played with in my full career, even, even a lot of people that I've seen, I don't think I've seen anybody that's better at attacking a ball, like crossing like in both boxes. Like if he wants to win the ball, he's winning it, and you're not stopping him because he's just so big and powerful. And he's so good as well. I think that's probably something he doesn't get the credit for. He's so technically good with his head as well. Like he scored all sorts. I remember... I, I remember a goal he scored at Watford. It was just like mad. Like, uh, I think it was killer. Matthew Cogallan had put the ball in. We were chasing a goal, and he's put a ball in for like on the halfway line. And I think he scored from like the 18 yard box, like an unbelievable header. And it was just like how good he was with that. Um, So, to answer your question, I've definitely seen flashes of that at at Cardiff. But like I said, I think it was just perfect circumstances at at Blackburn um, having. Obviously, Jordan, not not just myself as well, because there was other lads as well that 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 cropping balls. Obviously, you've got Marsh and Tom Cairn. There's a lot of lads, Thomas Spur like uh, um You had a, a few lads that that were putting balls on their head as well. So I think they just had the perfect circumstances, really.
2: You, you spoke a little bit there about Tommy Spur. Um, obviously the fullback on your side also was Mark Solson. Um, the question that one of my well, the people that I do the podcast with, Andy Watson, he was wondering, as a winger and a fullback, do you have to create almost a partnership, similar to how strikers might create a partnership? Um, and is it something that just comes naturally, or do you have to work at that a lot? Or is it just something that just comes like, it's a, a nothing question almost, you know what no, I mean?
1: No, I, think, I think it's definitely true that you have to have a partnership, 100%, because it, it's, it's almost like it has to work in unison with who's staying wide, who's coming inside, who's overlapping, What the timing of the runs. So I always think back to, I had a really strong relationship with Andy Taylor at Cardiff um, for about a good oh, year we went up and obviously before and after, I, we just seemed to click um, perfectly. We, I knew when he was going to be there, I knew when he was going to be inside, I knew he be overlapping and I, I personally felt I, I had the same with Marcus and Tommy. Um, but, I mean, to the question you asked, is it, is it something that you need to develop? I think it definitely is the answer because I think I've, I've played with a lot of players in my career where it's maybe the first time you've played with them and it definitely takes time to, to understand what they like doing, what where they like crossing it from, whether they've got a bit of pace, they like it in behind them when they're running onto the ball to cross it or they like to take the man on. It's... I've played with a lot of different fullbacks over the years, and you get to know. So, so like the difference between say Tommy and and Marcus was, you knew that Marcus could probably had the pace to knock it past the guy and cross it, whereas you knew Tommy, although he had a bit of pace himself, he, he, he would probably like it more than putting it in front of him so he could walk onto it. And both both of them had, had great left foot where so they they could whip a ball in and on somebody's head. So, I think it's just learning what what they like really um, and what kind of type of crosses and where they like the ball played and then also knowing where you're to be because a lot of it for, for a fullback and I used to get moaned at from from the two lads that I've just spoke about especially Tommy, I loved the moan where the amount of times that they would make unselfish, unselfish runs down like overlapping me but that would allow me the, the defender would go with them and that would allow me to cut onto my right foot and then and put it in so a lot of the, the work that they would do was unselfish. So if they were a kind of lazier full-back, so we say, and, and just left you one-on-one, it makes it harder um, to try and chop onto your right foot or you've got to go and more beat the lad like one-on-one, whereas if you've got somebody making runs and, and, and the defender is caught in two minds, doesn't know who to go, it just makes your job a lot easier.
2: Definitely, and that that role team that we're talking about now. That sort of fell apart, didn't it, after the the fourteen fifteen season, where perhaps we had the most um, confidence as fans that we would get up there. As a player, when you see players like Tom Kearney being sold, Rudy left. Um, I think Jordan left in the January of that that following season. Um, as a player, what what's going through your head when you see some of your your key players leaving? Is it something that you look at and think, are you considering leaving at that point? Is it something that you look at and you think, I'm one of these important players as well. Am I going to look elsewhere? Or do you just get on with it because that's football and things change?
1: Um, I think a bit of both, to be honest. I think you, you I'm the type of person that I am. I just kind of got on with it. And, and at the end of the day, like, I, I think as much as you can say as much as you want about like the club and stuff like that, but... The lads that you've mentioned, probably ninety nine percent of them, probably wanted to move anyway. So, if if you've got a lad that wants to leave, and you've got somebody that's putting in a good offer, then you can't really blame like the club for for letting it happen. Um, because I I think it probably mean it probably be in a worse situation if you refuse it completely. Don't let the lad leave, and his heads up his backside for the next. Year, do you know what I mean? Because he wants to move, so it's a it's a bit of a balance, really. You you don't really know. I think it's easy for for a lot of people, a lot of fans probably to just like come out and say or like criticising the club for letting players leave, but it, it, it happens and it's there's two sides to it, um, and I think I think a lot of the players as well, um, if they've got the chance to move, whether it's the Premier League or whether it go and double or their money to play at a, a bigger club or whatever it is, whatever it may be, then there is a decision from the player as well, which is a large part of that.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that it, as fans, it's tough. But like I say, as, as players, you put yourself first. I bet a lot of them, obviously, with a family yourself, you know that you've got to, I guess, put your family first a lot of the time as mm-hmm. well. And if you can do something that's going to perhaps secure their future almost, then it's, it's a no-brainer as anyone in any job. Chop would say would you go along with that that football's all well and good but it's everything else that matters that bit more
1: yeah I think I think like just because and this isn't just like Blackburn or, or it's every club I, I think I've done it myself listen I've been a, I'm a I was a Celtic fan when I was younger and it's easy to criticise what the club do and what the decisions that they make and I think when you become a player you realise you see the other side to it and as you say You've got a family to look after. You've got a I I mean, football is a very, very short career. You don't know when it's going to end. You don't know when you might get that injury. You, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I think the probably the easiest way to explain it, how other people could relate to it, is if you're in a job, no matter what it is, and you get a phone call from one another firm saying, listen, we're going to give you exactly the same job. We're going to give you twice or three times the money that you're on. I think, I mean, I don't really answer that question. I think ninety-nine yeah. percent of people, I know what decision they would make. So I think it's easy. But I think it's thrown about quite a lot as like there's no loyalty and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think, I think loyalty in football disappeared a long, long time ago. And I think if you look at it, put the shoe in the other foot, if you look at a club, say, So say you've got a top player that's playing and scoring plenty of goals and he's got clubs that are after him and they're bidding for it and obviously every fan wants to see him staying. But if you put the shoe in the other foot and you've got a player that's done unbelievable, but then all of a sudden they hit the skids and their their form goes way down and they're not playing well and everything's going against them it's not going to be long for the club to decide, right, let's get them out, so then where's the loyalty from that side as well, so I think it's it's just, again, it's just a fine line between what lads want to go and do and, and better themselves and stay loyal and stay at a club for a long time or they want to secure their future financially, whether it's be financially or they want to move relocate to another part of the country to be closer to home, there's, there's a lot of different aspects to it, but I mean, I think, again, it comes down to the type of person that you are. Um, For example, the season where we got relegated, I felt, and a lot of the players felt like that, there's no way that I would have left because I felt, I mean, well, we were. It was was because of us we got relegated, we weren't good enough. So I felt almost obliged to, to, I wanted to stay, Um, or when I say oblige it's probably not the right word I I felt I really was desperate to stay to try and put that right and get back up and I I think 99.9% of the squad felt the same because we should have never been relegated um, with the the squad that we had Um, and luckily we managed to put it right first time asking so it was a massive relief but almost like we've kind of corrected that wrong but that we felt that we owed the fans because I think everybody was completely and utterly devastated when we went down.
2: You certainly did not you did it emphatically. That season, for me, is one of the... the well, it is my favourite as a, as a fan, as one of the younger fans and we're going to speak a, a bit about that um later on. But first, as a player, though, I just want to ask you a, a question about and that's Ben Marshall you mentioned just before. Now, he was recently on um Under the Kosh podcast with, I think, Chris Brown Um and...
1: John Parkin.
2: Yeah, John Parkins there. Yeah, and he's—he's—he seems a real character. Um, just some of the the stories that he told on there. I don't know if you've listened to it. Um, have you got any stories about Ben Marshall that you that you could share with us? Some funny nights out, or if you ever went away as a as a team?
1: Um, I've got a few that I can't <laughs> tell you. Uh, no, he's right. I mean, I've not listened to that particular podcast. I know. Big, I played with both of them, obviously Brownie and, and Big John Parkin. I played with him at Cardiff and it's class of that podcast. Uh, I've not heard Marsha on it, but I mean, he's a character, an absolute character. He's probably, in fact, he definitely is the only player that I've ever played with where I've met a few players that love a night out and love a, love a pint or love a, a bevy, do you know what I mean? But I think he's the only player that I've probably played with that could go out and have 10 pints the night before, at like, training and come in, and honestly, he was the best player in training, you were like, how the hell can he get away with that? Like, he's And he would do it consistently, he would he would honestly do it consistently, um, and he was just, he would never do it to be like, I don't really want to swear, but he would never do it to be a bad egg, he was never like that, like, he would always keep it to himself, you wouldn't know a lot of times when he'd been out and had a drink, but I mean I've got no qualms in saying because I've said it to his face that it he, he, he completely underachieved when it came to, to his ability because his ability was he should have been playing the Prem he should be playing the Premier League now. Um because his ability was just unbelievable, he was so good. Um and I think it probably shows that either he was so good or we were so bad that he could go out and have ten pin ten pints right before, before training and come in and be the best player. So um I mean, the lad used to joke about it, but he's a he's a top lad. Like he's a great lad. I still I still got on really well with him. But and as I said, I've said to him before, he's self, and he probably knows it deep down that he should have be he should still for a start be still playing, but he should should have played at a much higher level than than what he, he did.
2: I think he did mention on the podcast that he thinks he knows himself that he could have gone further, but he was just happy. I think he was content with what he was doing. Um, which I guess is fair enough, and now he's obviously playing in the the I think West Lancs League um, yeah. for a Bolton team. So obviously, he I, think seems happy
1: doing that. I think a lot of it boiled down with, with Marsh is, because he's probably a lad that if you if you spoke to him, I think he'd say that he's not getting any regrets. I just think he, he I don't think he. That's just my opinion, but when I used to speak to him and he used to say, "Listen, how did, if you just screw them up for a little while." Um, because it was a period where he played under Paul Lambert at right back, and he was unbelievable, almost unplayable from right back, scoring goals left, right, and centre. Um, but I, I just don't think he loved football that much. If you know what I mean, like I, I don't think he was really bothered about that side of it. Um, and fair play to him, like if he, if he if he didn't want to do it and he was happy the way he is, then who can say that he's wrong? Um,
2: Definitely, and he seems happy himself. I know he? he said that yeah. his mental health issues seems to be behind him, what he was experiencing, and now he's just enjoying himself. Um, you mentioned Paul Lambert there. I just want to ask you a quick question about him. Obviously, came to the club to much fanfare after the sacking of, of Gary Boyer, who I think a lot of fans still hold in high regard, um, Gary, because of the work they did at the club. Um, how much of a difference was it going from Gary Boyer, who seemed to be someone that would put his arm around a player, to Paul Lambert, who may have ruled with more of an iron fist, if that's fair to say.
1: Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're completely different managers. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, I get on really well with Gary boy, He obviously signed me. Um, we got on really well. Um, and I, I was gutted when he left. I, I felt, if I'm being honest, it was harsh. Um, I didn't see it coming. Um, so... It was just one of the things, but then when the new manager comes in, um, as I say, completely different. Uh, but again, I liked I liked Paul Lambert. I liked how he was almost kind of brutally honest at times. I, I liked that in him, um, but obviously it didn't last too long with one reason and another. It just, um, I think the relationship with him and the, the owners seemed to just go the wrong way. So um, making a cut, cut it short. Um, how,
2: how long before did you know that he was going to be leaving? Did you find out at the same time as us or was it quite obvious that
1: uh, early on that he was uh, going to be
2: leaving?
1: No, it was a massive, massive shock. Like He, he basically came in the training ground one day and just told all the lads and it was really strange and a bit of a shock. Um, but I mean, listen, nothing in football surprises me, to be honest. I've seen that many things that anything can happen. As I, I said right at the start of the programme, we're talking as football is just literally anything can happen. So yes, it was a surprise, but in the whole football, there's nothing really surprises me too much. Anything's possible.
2: Obviously he left and someone else came in that I don't think he ever really had a chance, even if he had have been brilliant. But there's just someone I want to ask you about, something ask you about before. Um, there was a rumour at the time, and you might know nothing about it, um, but I thought I'd ask anyway, Um Neil Warnock apparently had all but agreed to become manager at Rovers before mm. Coyle took over. Is that anything that you're aware of, or to your knowledge, is that just the media making rumours and, and agents talking?
1: Um, I never knew about that. <laughs>
2: no. Did you know? That's what I thought. Is it just just something that was in the the media? I, don't, I
1: mean, whether that's true or, or not, I'm not sure. I mean, I think. I can't remember what Neil Wal- Walnut was doing at that time. just left Rotherham. Right, so I don't know. I'd, I'd be surprised if, if he was available and they had agreed and then they, they changed their mind. I don't know. Um, but no, I, I, I generally don't don't have a clue about that. I didn't know. No, oh, that's it. fine. It was
2: just something that was uh, in the I mean, I was in one of the Sky Sports banners at the bottom saying he'd agreed. I don't know if it was something yeah. that you were aware of. Um or not. Um. But the man that that did say the job is Owen Coyle. Um. Ben Marshall spoke quite a bit about him as well on on the Under the Cosh podcast. Um. Said that he had a, a fridge of Iron Brew in his office and he'd offer it, it people at about nine o'clock in the morning. And as a as a fellow Scot, is that something that you would have took him up on, or is Iron Brew not your drink?
1: <laughs> I do I do like an Iron Brew, but maybe not nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I think he was sponsored at some point with um back in the day when he was up in Scotland, I think. Um, but yeah, and no, all that—that—that that is true. He did have a friend crew but um But yeah, I mean, as a fellow Scotty, he, he was a character, like. And, and as you say, I think you said at the start um, when you started speaking about him, I, I think it was probably never going to work from from the time that he took over because I think everybody had made up their mind anyway. Um, the, the players certainly didn't. That, that wasn't the feeling of the players, but again, it was just one of the ones that just never seemed to work out.
2: I think coming from Burnley as well, obviously, well, not coming from Burnley, but having obviously got them promoted and I think as fans, it was almost a, a kick in the teeth um, that they bring him in. Um, how did you view him as a manager? Was it, did you enjoy playing playing under him or...? Is it just a case of he was the manager and you did as you
1: were taught at the time? Yeah, I mean, again, like I don't, I don't know if how how much you know about own call whatever. He's a, he's a great guy, like he, honestly, he's like such a good guy. Um, but again, just it just never worked. Like, I think we needed a little bit more in terms of um, I would not like to say coaching, but maybe just a few tactical things. It just it just didn't seem to work for him. Um, we had periods where I thought it was going to turn around, but I think, again, it, I, I'm sure we went our first game, first six games without a winner. Uh, yeah,
2: four we, against Lynch, I think, in that
1: first yeah, game. Yeah. And, I, and I, it got off to a really bad start. And I, th- I think we just got stuck in a real rut. Like, I remember thinking back to that. we'd, I mean, we all had just to have crisis meeting after crisis meeting. We are just trying to come up with how we could get out of it. Um, and again, I, I think we were just so deep in a rut that it was going to be really hard for us to get out um, and we nearly did do it in yeah. um, we,
0: we did
2: and obviously the man that came in and sort of turned the ship around is still there now and that's that's Tony Morbury um, yeah. he seems to be a real football man a real players manager um, could you see straight away when he came in was all of a sudden there was a reignited belief that you could get yourselves out of this um, and like I so said we very almost did
1: um. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I I felt that we still had a good chance, or, or a, a chance of getting getting out it. Um. But I don't know. Maybe maybe the change happened too late. I don't know. Um. But I think certainly towards the end of the season, we gave ourselves a bit of a chance. Um. And I, I don't quote me on this, but I'm sure that it's the highest that teams ever went down.
2: Yeah, I think
1: it was something like 54, 53 yeah. points or something like that. Not and and hard to take. I mean, we went and done our job at, at Brentford on the last day. We we obviously won, which we had to. Um, but I can't remember who it was that were that were marching. We had to match Was it Birmingham or something like that?
2: Birmingham, I think Nottingham Forest as well yeah. were involved in it. And, um, obviously, the burn there was a bit of controversy that season because Huddersfield yeah, made ten changes
1: soon, as a player.
2: Yeah. Did that really frustrate you that you almost look at it and think God? Because Birmingham came down to ten men that game as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I could you could say yeah, but to be honest, we were in that position because we deserved. It was nobody else's fault. And I remember a few. It was a bit of a kind of um, a lot of people spoke about it. A bit of controversy over it, but I think when you step back and look at it. I mean over the course of the season, the bigger picture. All right, we would have loved Huddersfield to treat it as competitive as what they they would have. Um but I think they were preparing for like playoffs or something like that and you can't blame them. You know what I mean? It's it's the manager's decision at the end of the day there. They deserved they were in that position because they'd done well. We were in that position because we were crap effectively. Oh, well, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the
2: best season honestly. yeah, obviously. The rebuilding process sort of began. So, like you said, just that you never had any thoughts of leaving after the relegation. Was it always a case? I'm definitely staying.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I wanted to stay, um, and a lot of the lads were the same. I don't, I don't think we really lost many at all, really. Um, but no, it was just one of the the things that we felt we wanted to go and put it right, and luckily we did uh, as the first time in asking. So it was, it was great, um, and I think in the end. I think Wigan, they, they obviously, they won the league. Um, but I think the two the two you, because I remember Shrewsbury were really pushing us for a long time, but I just think we had too much for them in the end. And um, we ended up going on and, and, and getting promoted pretty comfortably. Um, but I, I think we were, as a squad, I just felt we were really, really professional and just, done a, a right job we were really committed and we, we, we'd we done what we set out to do and obviously along with the, the managers a um, massive part of that was, was was brilliant
2: It seemed to be a really tight-knit squad that squad obviously a uh, big characters came into the club Richie Smallwood Bradley Dark um, is that one of the best squads you've been part of in terms of just everyone pushing together towards one goal because it seemed to be like I said from the outside that you had this real tight-knit togetherness
1: yeah we had a great set of lads um real real good set like just I think I've been in teams before not many I must say, but you kind of get some cliques and it's like some lads are like won't really speak to other lads too much or it's but at blackburn that year we we had twenty four twenty five lads that were mates proper mates um used to socialize um when you be you should when you were able to socialise, but yeah. um, used used to socialise a lot. Um, and we, as I say, we had a really good group of lads, honest lads that that wanted to work hard and and get results. And we, we, we I think it showed on the pitch. I think there was quite a lot of kind of press and um, recognition about the how tight knit the group were, and I think that was evident with the results on the pitch and the performances.
2: Was there at any point, especially at the start of the season, when? Perhaps things weren't going too well. I think we lost something like three or four in our opening, 11 or 12, and then we only lost about two for the rest of the season. Um, at one point, did you look at it and think, God, we could yeah. end up?
1: I remember I was injured for the first, my first game was the first, it was the first win we beat Brad Was it Bradford? Yeah, Bradford won, though, no, I think. Daniel well, scored. Yeah. Yep. So I remember watching on, and it was, wasn't the start we were looking for. Um, and then, as you say, to be honest, it, it went real uphill from there. Really, we we, we really um, picked up, and, and then in the end, as I say, we were, we got in a groove, and we were we were just grinding out results, left, right, and centre, and then some amazing performances as well.
2: Certainly was, and there's just a couple of goals of yours that season that I want to talk to you about. The first one, probably more of a humorous reason, um, it was the goal he scored against Portsmouth, he just came like a steam train out of nowhere on a really wet, boggy pitch and, and dinked the keeper, and the steward took a tumble. Um, well, that steward's actually my dad. So oh, okay. yeah. Um, well, do yeah. Do you remember seeing him take the tumble, or is it all a bit of a blur for you? Did you just see the goal?
1: No, I, rem- I, I remember well, obviously when I scored that, and, and we do like, video analysis after after the games, and I remember the the, the media guys had highlighted your. I didn't know you're <laughs> yeah. They It highlighted them, and we watched it a few times. To be fair, it was it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, it was class. Like we, we did we did look at it, um, and I didn't notice it at the time, obviously, because you're just so in the moment with a goal, and obviously winning a game and and stuff like that. But then when you look back and <clears throat> that a proper few times to be feeling it was it was going viral almost on Twitter yeah
2: I think the, a few newspapers did a, a story yeah. on it um, but yeah another goal obviously was it the Bradford one um, it was Bradford wasn't it yeah, yeah. I was that because obviously I think those games against Peterborough and Bradford really I think obviously we sealed it at Doncaster but it was those games I think where we looked and thought you know what we're on the verge here we're, we're a result away I you seem to have a lot of emotion in that Bradford goal. I know the, the the picture of you sliding on your knees in front of the, the Blackburn end towards the corner flag, what was that like? Just you've scored a lot of important goals it seems, mm. in your, your career obviously the cup final, Cardiff's promotion when you're in that one against Bradford.
1: Yeah, I think I mean the emotion obviously was there just we we I think as well I'd probably not started maybe a couple of games before that, um just frustration really and then Knowing how big a goal it was, or how not as as big a goal, just as important, and how winning games was, I think probably just emotion just came out, just probably just got a wee bit overexcited. Um, but yeah, I I think think once you get you you start to get close to a kind of goal, like a long term goal of trying to get promoted, and and knowing how important the job is. Every goal and every win is just ticking another one off and you know how important they are when it gets to the kind of crunch time of the season.
2: Uh, what point in that season did you look at it and think, right, yeah, we're going to do this? Was it a case of it's not done until the don't pass the game or was it before that you thought, you know what, we've got this yeah, thing?
1: I think once, um, as a footballer, you're kind of caught just in the moment all the time. Like you're... you're I mean, it's almost like a cliche, you hear it so many times from footballers, they say we're just taking a game at a time and stuff like that, but you, that's really what you need to do, because if you get if you get drawn out about thinking about the previous result, not winning, or you think about two games in front of you, that's when you trip up, um, because you've just got to take every game as it comes, every game is completely different, um, whether it's the pitch, whether it's the tactics, whether it's the team you're playing, whether the their main players is going to cause you problems. There's a million different things. Um, So it's probably all we can really take on as the next result. But as you said about probably just taking each result off. And I think once Shrewsbury started to kind of um, struggle a little bit and the gap started to grow a little, then you just start to see the kind of light at the end of it. Um, And then again, it is, sorry to disappoint you, but it's probably as just one game at a time, just, Ticking them off really, and then the night at, at Doncaster was uh, again, that was a, a bit of sweet night for me because it was amazing. But I ended up, I broke my foot and I played on with it, I didn't even know I'd broke it. Um, and I, I just,
2: forgot
1: that idea you got uh, yourself injured and just I, I, absolutely agony. I remember after the game as well, we're all jumping about, and I'm thinking, I've done something. To my foot <laughs> and I played like I think I played like 70 minutes with like a broken foot, <laughs> it was just mad. Um, but a class night, I mean. The goal that uh, Charlie, it was Charlie, went it with the yeah. Um Amazing celebrations! Like it was, That's that's the kind of nights that you really remember. Uh, I remember driving home after that. Um, there was a few of us in the car, and I think with a game, with a game, a couple of days later, so we couldn't even celebrate because we were desperate to celebrate. Yeah, it was a
2: Charleston, I think,
1: We lost uh, in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if I'm telling the truth, I'm sure a few years did actually end up going out <laughs> <laughs> to Doncaster, but I mean we had secured it so that's that was the the main thing, the main goal.
2: Yeah, I think the league would have been would have been nice, but I don't think as fans we really cared. Um, no. and it's with the greatest respect no. to winning that league because brilliant, yeah. really but the main thing was that we got promoted, yeah. um, and I'm sure Wigan would swap swapping those right now anyway so it's yeah, not exactly. something that I concern myself with to be yeah. honest um, the following season obviously would be last um, at the club um, that last season was that a lot of mixed emotions as well because you said before that you loved you loved playing games that playing football was your main thing obviously you didn't start and appear in as many games that season was that from a personal note really disappointing to you or did you look at it and think my time at this club now is Coming
1: to its natural conclusion, like you said, your career slowly came full circle. Um, yeah, i probably like a little bit of both. I, I mean, I I felt as if I should have should have played more games, but I mean, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about Tony Mowbray. Really like him as a guy, really honest guy. To be fair, he is honest. Um, and I mean we left in the best possible terms. I think that season, I remember it took me a little while to sort out my contract for that season. Um, And yeah, I I just think it probably run its course a little bit from from my point of view. I didn't play as much as I wanted to, but uh, I could understand it. Like, he had other players that he wanted to play and we had a lot of good players, so I can't really complain too much. Um, So I just felt like the kind of feelings I've always had in my career is I want to play so uh, they'd offered me a contract to, to stay another year but I just felt ugh, I didn't want to be whether I was sitting in the stand or sitting on the bench although I'll be sitting earning more money than what I was going to be signing eventually for with, with Salford like I just did it just didn't sit right with me, Yeah, a lot of people probably told me I'm mad turning that money down to to stay again but it is what it is like I just wanted to play and that means more to me when I retire and I hang up my boots for the last time looking back at my key and saying you know what I gave it everything and I played it as much games as I possibly could then that will sit more comfortable with me than sitting on the bench or a stand for a, a year picking up good money but that's not really stories that you can tell your kids or your grandkids, really. Um, well, was, there
2: was no part of it that wanted to sign that contract then. Just there was a case of, I want to play football and if I had to take a, a decrease in wage, then so be it.
1: Yeah, that's it. basically it. I wanted to just play and you don't know what else was going to happen. So I just felt I want to play as many games as I can. Um, admittedly, I'd, I thought it would have been easier to find or to secure a new club than what it turned out to be. Um but I I look back and I never regret anything. That's just one of the things. Um so yeah, that was it I
2: won't be able to get away then ending your time on the Blackburn side of your, your career without mentioning um someone that I suppose has made you a bit of a cult hero. Do you know, Lynns Lewis, known as the uh, the Conway Lady, um coined you um blue eyes. Um when you've got people like that who just sort of Form a bond with players like yourself, and as I think most fans did, um, was that something as a player that's just means a lot that that players clearly sorry fans clearly appreciate what you do as a player.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think that was, as even evident now, um, obviously I still stay. Um, I just tra- obviously I'm travelling with with Scotland and stuff like that, but I'm still based down in England, um, local to to obviously Blackburn. So I still see that appreciation now, to be honest. I get a lot of people coming up to me, and I think it is nice when, when people do appreciate the, the work or um, the quality you brought or, or anything. But I, I think probably one thing that, that I would say stands out is I always give 110% no matter what, and I always have done. Um and probably the time then I do stop doing that will be the time to hang up my boots because that's a thing that, a lot, that I based my career on, suppose. suppose. Um, so, yeah, as you, as you say, Lynns and other people um, that appreciate you and, and call you certain things and stuff like that. And I used to meet people before every game. There was a lot of like fans, the same kind of faces you would see. And you kind of start to uh, form a kind of bond with them and you, you get a bit close to them, you learn a little bit more about them. So it's always nice, but... I've got nothing but good things to say about my time at Blackburn. Massive part of my life.
2: Definitely. And like I said, it did eventually come to its end and you, you moved to Salford. Now, there's been a couple of questions that have come through to us on Twitter asking why Salford. Because I think as, as Robbers fans, we felt that you could still give something to us on the pitch. And obviously Salford were in League 2, so it was quite, obviously, a couple of divisions below. Was it because it was still, obviously, I guess, in that northwest area, Um well, like I said, was it just at the time clubs clubs weren't showing
1: the hand? Yeah, yeah, basically, um, I I probably put too many eggs in the one basket. With, with I was I was obviously I was meant to be going at, at Bolton. I thought that was going to happen, um, and I was training there, and obviously well aware of the situation that was happening at the time. But we thought the takeover was happening. Um, and it didn't eventually. And then the, the move just ended up not happening because the, the managers came in, the new managers, which again was a bit of a shock with the um the manager leaving. But again, like it goes back to my original comment about football you just never know what's gonna happen and for one reason or another the Bolton thing never materialized. And if I'm really being honest, I was I was in I was struggling like to get anything. To be honest, like I, I really was. I think because it was so late, um, a lot of teams were were basically signed the players that they wanted to sign, and that was really it. Um, and then, I, I, obviously, the chance to to train with with Salford was came about, and then I went, and it and it went well. I always backed my myself to whether I had to go. I've got no qualms about going, and whether it's a trialist, you can call it what you want. Training with a club, I don't know. Um, but I just backed myself. I knew that it would be fine, um, and then it ended up with a sign there. Um, and again, I've, I've there's a lot of different things. we like talking about like regrets and stuff like that. A mixture of things. Obviously, COVID just came in and just absolutely ended it all. Really, um, nothing you can do about it. I mean, there's there's probably things as well. I, I didn't manage to do a, pre-season because I didn't sign there until like September, October. I think it was maybe even into October. Um, So I ended up only really there for like, I don't know, three months, four months, something like that. Um, So yeah, I didn't really get the chance to get in a groove really. Um, Again, not making excuses, but COVID came, league got cancelled. That was was the end of that really.
2: (laughs) So was there never any... Discussions to sign back on
1: for another season was it? Yeah, well, that- I, spoke to, I spoke to Graham Alexander and I was in constant contact with him about it because um, I was still their player until obviously July, um, and they were they were speaking about potentially staying with the manager, but it just never really ended up happening. And and again, it's probably one of the things I couldn't wait forever. Um, and as I say, I wanted to play, and then the chance to go to uh, St. Johnson came up, the manager, phoned me, obviously a former Blackburn player, Callum Davidson. Um, he phoned me and I, I just really liked the guy, I really liked what he had to say and um, that was it really. I just decided to go up. It wasn't in my plan at all really at any point that I would ever go back to Scotland but it came about and it turned out I'm, I'm enjoying it so...
2: No, you like you said you seem to be enjoying yourself there. Only the three goals this season, I think. Is that right? Is it Three.
1: Yeah. Michelle,
2: my yeah. research spot on. So, how are you enjoying yeah. it back in Scotland? Then, like you said, it's come full circle. Is it? Is it strange being back in in a league where you, your career really took off?
1: Um, yeah, as I, I mean, it was strange at first. It's not. I wouldn't really say it's strange now. I mean, for obvious reasons, it's strange anyway. About you know fans and stuff like that. But uh, again, you almost kind of get used to that. It's probably been that long now that it was been. Um, for one, you get fed up talking about it. <laughs> it's probably as much as much people are probably fed up talking about COVID and fed up of it and full stop. I think that's probably the only conversation I'll speak about COVID because I think it's just annoying everyone. But um, I mean, listen, it's obviously been a serious thing. It's affected a lot of people. So you've just got to, to hope that the vaccine is going to help it. But yeah, it's been strange not playing in front of fans and stuff like that. I've I have missed that. I think I think that's one thing that not just myself but a lot of players have been speaking about is that you probably don't appreciate how much fans really make the game better until you're playing without them. Um because it's just little things like the 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 I mean they can change they really can change the swing or the momentum of a game. Um, by the their reaction to a certain, whether it's a tackle or a shot or anything they can get on the other side. I mean, I think it's benefited, benefited a lot of teams who are normally under pressure at home as well that have not got the fans. There's many different things that it does affect, so, um, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it, the actual football. I'm enjoying playing and obviously this this week we've got a big semi-final um, to prepare for, so, looking forward to that, playing at Hamden again, it'll be, it's a shame that there's not fans because there would have been a really good turnout um, but I mean, it's a semi-final at the end of the day so another chance to get to, to another final
2: Obviously for yourself, that must be good at the the age of 35 now, you're still there and, and in those big games and, and yeah. still trying to win that silverware
1: Yeah, yeah definitely, it's good to to be part of it and um, as I say, it'll be, it'll be a tough game, Hibs are a good side but at the end of the day, it's a semi-final. It's 90 minutes to get in a cup final, so we'll give it everything.
2: Definitely. And I guess that, that finishes my questions um, on your career, but I want to now throw it to the listeners who have sent a few, and if that's OK, Craig. Um, there there's, there's a few. Um, so we've got Henry Bolton um, has asked, what is your favourite Rovers goal that you scored? Do you have one that sticks in the memory?
1: Um, yeah, I'd probably say... I like the one I scored against uh, Rotherham. Um at home. So you
2: cut in from the left and then sort so of
1: that, drove in and then Yeah, the the other one where I'd scored I like that that one and then the other one, I think I'm sure it was against Rotherham as well where Marsh has played in the middle into me and I've kinda of, took a touch out of my feet and just smashed it in the top left corner. Um I'm sure I get was against Rotherham as well, was it? I'm not
2: 100% sure to with yeah. you. Um, uh, I should have done my research. Yeah.
1: But to be fair, I'll, if it wasn't Rotherham, then I apologise. But the first, certainly the first one would still warrant one of my favourite goals against them.
2: Yeah, yeah, the one that I remember is where you sort of ran in from the left and yeah. sort of ran for it seemed like forever right across the face of goal or on the edge of the box and just sort of rifled it into the top corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it might have won goal of the season that year. I don't know. Maybe it did, yeah. maybe it didn't do. I'm Not too sure. Um, another question. Um, Dylan mcc123 asks, um, who is, your, who is your best mate at Rovers? This, uh, who's the one that you probably were closest with? Do you have one, or was it like you said, it's a team thing there? Where yeah, everyone I, just know, sick, I mean,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm still mates with a lot of the lads. Yeah, uh, I still speak to a lot of the lads that that I played with. Um, obviously, like, and particularly in my early days it was Grant Hanley and, and Jason Lowe It was tight with, uh, Matthew Kilgarn, there's, there's genuinely a lot. Like Now, the more recent lads well obviously like Charlie Mulgrew, D- Daki, Dara, Corey, they're all like, I got on really well. With. I get on with, with everyone really, like Ben, a tons of lads that I got on well with, everyone really. Um, but probably just to mention Gra- Grant Hanley's, he's actually going to be, probably going to be my brother-in-law because he's... Is he? Yeah, he goes with my, my uh, wife's sister and they've, they've got a little girl together, so... Um,
2: Did they meet through, through Rovers, was that or was yeah, that after?
1: Funnily enough, it, it actually was nothing to do with me. Um, it just turned out through that they were on holiday at the same time and, and met up and, and that was it. I mean, the rest they've obviously been together for about... I think it's about six or seven years now and they've got a little girl together. Um, so, yeah, um, I never thought he would eventually maybe be more well own. a Um bit strange how things can happen.
2: It certainly is. And um, George Dobson asks, um, what was it like um, being one of the main running, one of the people that ran the dressing room, um, as a lot of players have alluded to you doing, so sort of being such an influential part of, of that dressing room, probably along with someone like Benno.
1: Yeah, I think so. Like I think I think it just comes with territory being a little bit more experienced and older. Um I think we did. we were really lucky at Blackburn that we had a lot of lads that were like experienced but they they knew how it should be run, if you know what I mean, or or they knew how to do right the right thing. Um because again, we were lucky, we didn't really have any bad eggs or people that would could spoil it for everyone else. We, but we had a good group of probably four or five lads, like probably alluding to the the year we went um got promoted um, back up to the championship. We had a group of lads like me, Danny Graham, obviously, you mentioned Benno, Charlie McGrew, Richie Smallwood, like Corey. We, we had a real core group of lads that just wouldn't take any shit really and, and just we just knew how to kind of I suppose run a dress room I and mean, don't get me wrong we had a gr- great laugh we had a good set of lads like Christmas Do's and stuff like that were amazing Um we had a few maniacs not quite standard. <laughs> um it was brilliant I just think in, in general we just had a really, really good balance
2: I can imagine that Daki enjoys a night out from what, from what we've seen on his um Obviously, reality star career now
1: seems uh, to enjoy yeah. all that. I, you know what, a lot of people would think that about Daki, but he's actually relatively quiet. I mean, he likes. I think everybody likes a night out when the chance arises, but you would be surprised. I think with Daki. I don't think he's as he's just, he's probably mellowed. I think he was probably worse when he was younger, but you'd probably be surprised. He's quite quite like quiet when I say. Like he'll stay in, with his misses or whatever. Obviously, he's, he's got to now. he's not mixing anyway with like anybody. But I think a lot of people would be surprised with that.
2: Have you been watching his? Um, what did you watch? Is is a reality show? Um, Olivia meets her uh, match when it was on. Or did you did you not find time to catch that on the on
1: ITV? Um, I, I do you know what I, I watched it at first? My my wife still watches it. She <laughs> it time, but um, I think any program. Like, I'm not not a massive TV watcher, to be honest. So um, I'd end up just slagging him. I I remember (laughs) one one with Charlie. It was cracking me up. Just his big Scottish voice. It was just, it was class. It just Um, seemed
2: really awkward
1: on the training pitch, I think, just before he he left, just like. I mean, I'm surprised. I was, I don't know how how the man, or whether he knows too much about that, I don't know. Um, But if I was still there, he would be getting a hell of a lot of stick. I'll just say that. (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that he he does anyway. Um yeah. got um Ryan Higgins asked, and I probably should have messaged you this one before to be honest. Um so I am sorry if you take a bit of thinking time. Um he just asked who was the best player that you played with at Rovers, do you think? Obviously we had lots of Tom Kearney you mentioned Rudy, Jordan, um Bradley Dyke more
1: recently, Danny Graham. Um There's a lot. Uh, if I was i I'll pick two. Um and I'll base it on pure ability. Um, I'd have to say David Dunn. Um, when I first came in, I mean, I think when I first came in, he was probably 33, 34 maybe when I came in. Um, yeah, he's just quality. He was just clear to see. Um, and and the reason why I'm picking Dakey as well, because I see a lot of similarities with him. Um I think Dake, with ability and then potential linked into that, that he could be, in my opinion, he could be a lot of things. I think he could be anything, really. He's, he's uh, The ability he's got to take the ball in tight spaces, he's finishing his left foot, right foot. Even there, he's decent. Um, I think he's he's very good, very good. He's right up there with the players that I've played with. Um and obviously you, I mean, for different reasons, um, probably more like like um a few like standout things for for some of them are amazing. Like obviously you've got Jordan Rhodes who his finishing was better than probably most I've met. You've got Rudy who was the best in the air I've ever seen. Um and then you've got others like even like for ability like Ben Marshall, Tom Kearney you've mentioned, um a lot of a lot of players that you've spoken about, even like Danny Graham, um whose finishing's top notch and his hold up play. Uh, but if you were to, to hold a gun to my head and say who's who's the best, I'd probably say I didn't get to see Dunny in his prime, so I would say Daki. There we go. Um,
2: I should have sent that one to you because we did have a conversation I before, know,
1: didn't we? It took about 25 minutes to just answer a simple question.
2: <laughs> honestly, I know it's my fault completely, because I said I'd send you the tough ones and that I never did. Um, so that's on me. Um, and then there's this one um final question here, which is um Mark Whittle who asked, um, who was the best manager you played under at Rovers? Who do you think obviously you got the the most supplier from?
1: Um I'd have to say Gary Boyer, to be honest. Uh, I think it, just that last bit that he said who got the most out of me, I think he was the one that played me in my strongest position. Um, and he just let me get on with what I would do. And I, And he used to really challenge me in terms of like assists. Like he used to have like, a competition between the players about who who could have the most goals or who could have the most assist. And um, I think he just understood me as a player. Uh, probably more. And, and I mean sp- special mention to Tony Mowbray as well because I think he's a really good manager and I really like him. I've got a lot of time for him and I did have strong periods under him, but definitely more so, Gary Boyer.
2: No, obviously that that's your lot, Craig. We can release you now from our clutches and you can get back to your um your larga, get back to your, your missus and, and your kids. Um yeah. but um Obviously, we'd like to thank Craig um, for joining me today. Um, it's been an honour speaking to you, and I wish you all the best for the coming season. Obviously, good luck in the, the semi-final coming up. Um, and, of course, thank you to you out there for listening. Um, we hope you've all enjoyed this very special edition of the 1875 podcast. See you next time.
1: Thank you very much. The Rovers Chat YouTube
2: channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases, and much more. They also have plenty of Rover's goods, including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below.
0: Growing up, you and your buddies were always on the same page. Thursday was pickup basketball night. Saturday was an Xbox gaming binge, but then the buddies started falling off one by one. So what if they all have that ring on their finger and you're the only single bachelor left? You've got your own bling. And this one doesn't come with any commitment, just a few really good moments of chill bliss. Why the sheets not go for the gold? For a limited time at Sheets, get your hands on a three hundred ninety nine milkshake like the Toffrees. Made with Hershey's Heath bars. Unwind with golden ribbons of buttery caramel and a heaping scoop of whipped cream. And don't forget, you can save $1 when you order on the app. At Sheets, there are endless options when it comes to delicious drinks, coffee house style cold brews, hot coffees, lattes, shakes, refreshers, and so much more. Everything is customizable, so you always get exactly what you want. And when we say always, we mean 24 7, 365.